This is the 10 Minute Contrarian Podcast. This is VP. We are a solutions based podcast, diving into the world of contrarian investing and alternative finance. You can find us hosted on the No Nonsense Forex YouTube channel, nonsenseforex.com, and podcast players everywhere. Episode 79 is brought to us by Blueberry Markets. Traders, set yourself up for 2023 now. I've been with Blueberry for the better part of what, like three or four years now, and almost nobody has regretted it. Because it's the best. You can trade from MT4 or MT5. Uh, I know the majority of people who use Bybit through my link prefer to trade crypto through MT4. And you can also do that on Blueberry along with the 50 top traded stocks. And you can trade metals. All with the world's best customer service. So what you want to do is go down to the description and click the link. That will take you to the blog. Let you know everything you need to know. And then you click my affiliate link in the blog. And you'll get a handsome bonus just for signing up and your own customer service representative who you can call on at any time if things should go sideways. With all the crazy stuff going on in the world, trading is one of our ways out. I've said this for a long time. Set yourself up now. It is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast, and the subject matter of episode 79 is going to be one that tends to anger a lot of people. Uh, And I think it should. I mean, who wants to have their money controlled by a bunch of unelected fucks? I mean, I don't. But sitting here getting all angry about it is not a solution. And in this particular case, it is exactly what you should not be doing. We need to take a very stoic approach here. You know, if it's coming anyway, fine. You know, we are a solutions-based podcast. What are we going to do about it? So in this episode, I want to talk about central bank digital currencies as they stand right now. We are still so early in the game. Uh, But I want to clear up a couple of potential myths. I want to explain how I think this whole process is going to go down, and then we will get into the solutions portion uh, towards the end. Uh, But thanks to blockchain technology, we have now given governments the opportunity, if they choose, to control our money. Uh, If you control the money, you control everything. And I think the fear with a lot of people is they're going to wake up one day And all of the money in their bank account is going to be converted from fiat to whatever this new CBDC is going to be. We're all going to end up on a social credit system and life as we know it is going to change. Now, if you're in certain countries, yeah, I guess this could happen. But for the majority of people listening to this podcast right now, and I know where most of you are. Uh, This process is going to take a lot more time. I think it's going to take a lot longer than most people fear it's going to. I mean, first of all, the technology is not even really quite there yet, Uh, even though there are a handful of countries that are currently doing this. Does anybody know who the first country was to roll out a CBDC? It was the Bahamas, the Bahamian sand dollar. And I guess it's going fine. Uh, But there are about 10 countries who employ some version of this now, but it certainly isn't complete, and it certainly doesn't work all too well just yet. And to do it in a larger, especially a larger Western country, uh, is going to be difficult. You know, most countries just can't up and do the things that a country like China does. And I don't even think China officially has one just yet. Uh, But trust me, the world has been watching China just to see. A social experiment. You know, how far can you push your people until they actually start fighting back? And sadly, the answer has been pretty goddamn far. I mean, we've all seen the absurdities going on there right now. Uh, And people are finally starting to fight back a little bit. And China has started to pull back. 
And like I said, other governments are taking this data and doing what they will with it. Um, but I think the smart move for them is to roll things out very slowly. Um, because I'm not sure how well the Bahamian sand dollar is doing, but I know how well the e-Naira is doing in Nigeria. It's doing really, really poorly. And it's on the verge of being canceled. Uh, then again, you already have a country like Nigeria where the citizens have not trusted their fiat currency for a very long time. Nor should they. It's terrible. You know, when you have nations that have something like the euro or the pound or the dollar, you know, this thing could be a bit of an easier sell. Now, let's talk about how I think personally, and like I said, this is just me talking, uh, they're going to sell it to you. Uh, now, before I start, I have people from over 90 countries who listen to this podcast. So I'm mainly just going to be talking about the United States, but look for similar methodologies, you know, depending on which country you reside. Um, so once this thing rolls out, now, this is the big question I have. You have two factions here. You have two sides at war with each other. You have the central bank and the actual banks. You know, they're wrestling for control of the money system. You know, the, the commercial banks have had it for a very long time, and now the central banks want it. So I don't know exactly how this is going to go down, but I do know that whoever pushes this thing out in your country, uh, especially if it's a Western country, they're probably going to market it as something that is extremely convenient uh, because convenience sells. You know, something like with one touch on your smartphone, you can pay all your bills, you can do this, blah, blah, whatever. And then they're going to start rolling in benefits to where if you use this new thing, you will receive benefits that those who don't use it don't get. You know, you get to save on this. You'll get membership points for this. You'll get access to this. Uh, and believe me, this will sell. You guys who might be a part of the contrarian community and financial Twitter might think that we're a really loud voice. We are not. We are the minority. You know, normies will eat this shit up. You know, because in many ways, through the payment rails we use now, you know, we're pretty much already conditioned to make a transition like this. It's going to be a very easy transition. That's another way how you sell it. Oh, and on top of that, I think you already have a built-in audience for this. Uh, in the United States, at least. They have been falsely marketing crypto as the money system of the conservatives, the Republicans. And you have a system now that's so divided that if you tell one party something that even that party knows is not true, for the most part, as long as it fucks over the other side, they're going to go with it. That's where we are. You could tell them something that is patently and obviously false. But as long as the other side disagrees, the one side will go along with it. Do you think I'm wrong here? Do you remember the two plus two thing years ago? You know, we are still that divided ideologically. And I don't see that situation getting any better. So I think there will be a built-in sector of people that will take to this right away without you even having to sell it to them. You can just say, hey, this is the anti-crypto play. Screw those guys. And 40% of your country will enthusiastically start using CBDCs simply out of spite for the other side. So this whole transition is just getting easier and easier, isn't it? And then later, what I can see them doing too is if you have a welfare system or if you have universal basic income, which is something they've constantly been trying to push. And I think if the recession slash depression hits hard enough, you know, this is the next logical move. You know, remember, these guys play the long game. Then all of this money that's distributed, 
to the poorest 10, 15, 20% of citizens in your country will probably be in CBDC form because these are the people who are not going to be able to say no. Beggars can't be choosers. So now you've gotten the normies, um, the hardcore political left, the poor people. You know, that's the vast majority of people in your country. You know, and then it just becomes the norm for everybody. And then, and only then, do I think that social credit scores and things like that start entering the mix. You know, they'll create another domestic terrorism event or something like that and say, oh, now we really need this. And again, people will believe it, and now you have what you have. But again, this will take a lot longer to pull off than I think most people are anticipating. So now that I've gotten everybody riled up, let's get to the solutions part. And like I said, step number one is to not allow it to make you angry. And it's tough. I get it. You have a bunch of unelected people spitting in our faces because we don't fight back. Now, the solution is not to up and fight back. The better solution is to do what we always do on this podcast, and it's to prepare ourselves financially for what we feel like is pretty much inevitable. And pretty much all of these things we have already talked about on this podcast at some point. So you tell me, if you know this is coming, are you just going to sit there and get all angry about it and just allow it to consume you without taking any steps of action? I would hope not. So let's put an action plan into place. Now, none of this is financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor. Don't do anything I say. But my advice to you would be, number one, still have a decent amount of actual cash on hand. Not in a bank account, on hand. Because no matter what happens, cash will still play a part. You know, If you live anywhere in Latin America or the Middle East, you pretty much know your entire life cash is going to play a part somewhere. You know, it's not going away. Uh, but we also know is that banks have less and less of it. And they really are trying to phase it out. So you, at all times, for your own financial safety, need to take a portion of it out of the bank and have it in your possession. Now, you might think, well, that's not safe. What if I get robbed? Well, if nobody knows you're doing it, then it's no different than the last 10, 20 years of your life, as far as safety goes. And if you haven't got robbed in the last 10, 20 years then the chances of that happening are no higher or lower than they were before, so stop being ridiculous. Pull out a bunch of cash, have it on you, and have it in a safe place. And the same goes for gold. I still don't think most people understand what a great hedge and a great safety measure gold is. Every single person who listens to this podcast should have some. I'm planning on upping my percentage of gold holdings in the year 2023, as I divest further and further away from fiat. Even though, if put a gun to my head, I think the value of the United States dollar is probably going to go up even more um, in 2023. Uh, but I am equally as bullish on gold, and gold has that safety measure that fiat doesn't have. Yeah, so those are two things we have spoken about on the podcast. Number three, uh, do you remember the episode called Live Somewhere Else? Now, I know that is not possible for a number of you out there. But obtaining residence permits and foreign bank accounts is available to everyone. Okay, not everyone, everyone. Like if you're in India or someplace like that, I know it's really tough. Uh, but they still make it happen. But for the rest of us, there is no excuse for not having a bank account in more than one jurisdiction. And I don't think governments are going to really care if you do because there are so few people that have the presence of mind to go this route. 
I think if you're a gold holder or have your money in a different bank account in a different jurisdiction, you're going to be fine and they're not going to go after you. Uh, but as these things slowly start to roll out, this process is going to be a lot more difficult because instead of just competing with our small little group of contrarians, now you're going to start competing with everybody. And that is not what you want. For example, I'm not going to go over all the residence permits that I have, but one of them was a flat rate. You know, you got to go through some red tape and you pay a flat amount and then you get a permanent residency card. I went and did this process. Two months after I did it, the amount of money you had to pay to get this process done went up by 10 times. Now, I didn't get lucky. I took action. I didn't hesitate. And that's why I was able to get it for one-tenth of the cost. Now, I will reveal one of the residence permits I have uh, currently because it is the one that I think is still the cheapest and the easiest to get, uh, and that's going to be Mexico. Uh, for a temporary, it's very easy. The requirements are very low, and it is very cheap. Uh, but the problem is, is people are starting to figure this out, especially as more people start working remotely, especially as the United States is becoming a much more expensive country to live in. Um, so believe you me, this process will not be as cheap or as easy in the future. And that future could be soon. Now, I'm not going to be able to really walk you through the steps of this process because it is different for everybody. But the sooner you get this process started, the better. Now, once you get it, you don't really have to live in Mexico. You can just spend a little tiny bit of time there and go renew it as you need to renew it. And then you can work your way into permanent residency down the road. I have to fly to Mexico City in January and get mine renewed. But once you have it, you have it. And you have an out. And you don't actually have to live in Mexico to keep it. And Mexico is a wonderful and functional country with great food and great people. Why would you not want to have a Mexican residence as an out, as cheap and easy as it is compared to literally all of the other ones out there? You know, you don't need to be a lunatic like me and have a handful of them, uh, but this lunatic has a lot more options than you probably do. And that peace of mind, you just can't put a price on. You know, I'm so glad I took the time to go through these processes because no matter what happens in my home country or any other country, I, I feel like there's no way they can really take me down. Well, much of the world is freaking out. And then finally, there are a lot of great options in the crypto world that can protect you as well. Bitcoin is one of them. Bitcoin is one of the main ways people in Nigeria are sidestepping this whole e-Naira mess. And they've been quite successful in doing that. So take notes. I mean, thank God we have something like this that can protect us. I mean, I would wager to say that even though it is volatile, it single-handedly has probably saved millions of people from either financial ruin and or starvation at this point. So no matter where you are in the world, you can really take advantage of this as well. And I also plan on upping my Bitcoin holdings for the year 2023 as well. You know, whether I'm getting around at near the bottom or not is not what's really important here. The important thing is simply having it. And then finally on that front, if you have not learned how to use DeFi yet, you're going to want to learn. And, you know, gas fees are what they are, but you can do this very cheaply now. You don't have to do it on the Ethereum chain, even though I would recommend it. But DeFi-wise, I am well-versed on how to use the Ethereum chain, the Binance Smart chain, um, the Cardano chain, and the Kronos chain, which is the uh, Crypto.com CRO token chain. You know, I know how to use all those with ease. 
And even though I don't use them too much right now, at least I know how to. And I think this skill is going to be very, very important going forward. You know, and those last three chains are super cheap to use. You could literally take $20 USD and just go screw around with them you know, and get your reps in and learn by doing, and then you're good to go. You know, the idea of a central bank digital currency doesn't make me super happy. I mean, why would it? But it doesn't upset me either because I am ready. Even though I don't think it's going to come for a while, I'm ready right now. Because as always, this level of financial prepping to most people does seem crazy. And okay, maybe in the eyes of most normies, I am crazy. But I will also be one of the last people on earth that is going to get taken over by something like a CBDC because I took action very, very early. Will you?